Yep. Exchange kids can uh, head on out. Looks like they're going to have a big crew today. Well done. Or should I say good luck? Uh, just a reminder too on those child safe sessions, uh, we would encourage everybody who's a regular attender here to um, attend one of those. We did one a couple of weeks ago. Not on. It says it's on there. Oh, not recording. Okay. Can you grab my phone, Loz? Um, for those who are regular attendees, we would love you to attend the session. About 20 or 30 minutes uh, post. Uh, right, uh, we've got plenty of phones up here. And she's even started it too. Um, yeah, so it's just again to help us comply with our church insurance uh, group and also just to make sure we do provide a safe place, a safe space for um, children in our church. We value them and we thank God for them. So yeah, that'll be uh, sort of not straight after the service, but give, a, give us a few minutes for a morning tea, then we'll go into the lounge room and uh, go from there. Okay, we're on today we're on our last talk on the uh, series of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, Holy Spirit, the, uh, the God, uh, who is God, sorry, not the God. Uh, the last few weeks we've been covering a number of aspects on the Holy Spirit. Uh, we started with the Holy Spirit and being born again. Uh, we covered the Holy Spirit and sanctification or this pursuing of holiness as the, the primary work of God's Spirit in our lives. Uh, we covered the Holy Spirit and what it is to be filled with the uh, Spirit sort of in the thought of baptism, the Spirit, and being filled with the Spirit. We also covered the Holy Spirit and bearing character fruit. We also covered the Holy Spirit and the freedom the Spirit brings in our lives, releasing us from sin and uh, releasing us to uh, live freely for Christ in this world. And uh, a couple of weeks ago we covered, or sorry, last Sunday we covered the Holy Spirit and the power to serve that He enables us and gives to us. And today, this last talk, we want to open up the idea of being led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit. So let's pray here for the Holy Spirit's help as I uh, speak today, hey? Uh, Father, we give you thanks and praise that we can gather here together today, this morning. Lord, we thank you that this, this is an act of faith. Lord, there are many, many other things that we could do. We could stay home and mow the lawns and do gardening. Father, we could stay home and do some cooking. Lord, we could stay home and read a book. Many, many other things we could do, Lord. But today we come together with an act of faith to gather together with other people to uh, hear your word, to be changed by your spirit and your word working together. And uh, we ask now that, Holy Spirit, you would um, uh, bring change in our lives through this act of faith of gathering together this morning in and around your word as a corporate body of believers. Father, we ask this, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, there's a number of times we do see in the Bible here this phrase, being led by the Spirit. Matthew 4.1 will tell us, led by the Spirit. Luke 4.1 will tell us, led by the Spirit. Romans 8.14, again, we'll have that phrase, led by the Spirit. And Galatians 5.18 also has that phrase, led by the Spirit. There's similar phrases also in a couple of other Bible verses too. Galatians 5.16 and Galatians 5.23, maybe walk by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. There's a whole number of things here which are alluding to this being led by the Spirit. And I'm sure we've all heard people say from time to time through conversations, God has led me to do this, or God has led me to do that. Or questions like this, I just don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know where God has led me, I'm not sure where God is taking me at this present time. 
Or maybe you've been in conversations where people say this, I just believe God led me to say this or that to this particular person. Or simply we see those passages in Scripture, we just sort of quickly went through them without reading them out. We see that phrase there, led by the Spirit, and we simply just wonder, what does that mean? I wish I could really grasp what this means to be led by the Spirit. What is the Spirit-led life? What does it look like? Does it mean that I get this sort of heavenly email in my inbox each morning that says today you'll go to work and you'll wear those blue jeans and your workmate beside you will say, I've had a rough night last night, I don't know what's going on and that's meant to be your cue then to share Jesus with him? And this all according to the heavenly email we got in our inbox that day? Is that what it is to be led by the Spirit? Well that may happen, that may happen, but it's probably more of a rare occurrence instead of the normal way the Holy Spirit leads us. I'm a Christian. I'm born again. The Holy Spirit now indwells me at the point of conversion. I'm filled with God's Spirit. The Spirit now lives in my heart, my will, my heart, my emotions. They're changing and being renewed little bit by little bit each and every day by the work of God's Spirit in my life. And I believe this would be the desire of every single follower of Christ, that we want to be led by the Holy Spirit. We want our lives empowered and led by the Spirit to bring glory to God to reflect his greatness into this world and the people that we are living with. And we want spirit-led lives that will help us to live with true meaning and satisfaction and fulfilment. We want to follow where the spirit is leading us. We want the Holy Spirit to lead us. Spirit-led life. But here's the challenge in this world as we are pursuing what it is to be a spirit-led person or a spirit-led life. There are many, many things that are trying hard to lead me in many different directions. I've got any number of voices or ideas that are coming at me and they're influencing me. And all these voices, in a sense, are saying, follow me. Follow my direction. All these voices coming at us and they're saying things to us and they're influencing us. They're saying, follow me. This is where life is. But I'm a Christian. I want to live a spirit-led life. So as we think about that today, I want to think about three voices, three voices that will help us to live the spirit-led life. One voice is objective, it's impartial, it's fixed, it's true, we know what it is. And there's two other voices that the spirit chooses to use as well, but they're subjective. They're subjective. They're actually subjective to circumstances, situations, and they're actually subjective to the objective voice. First voice, the primary most important voice, is the voice of God. Objective voice, impartial, fixed. Second voice is the voice of conscience, a subjective voice. And the third voice we'll look at is the voice of counsel, another subjective voice which is subject, subjected to the objective voice of God. There's a bit of a tongue twister in it, subjective and objective. First and primary voice that we listen to, to live a spirit-led life, is the voice of God. The first and primary voice that we listen to to live a spirit-led life is the voice of God. When we say a spirit-led life, we mean a life that is wholly dedicated to following the direction of God's Holy Spirit. This being a life that reflects the glory of God and walks away from the danger of sin as we follow the leading, the prompting and the guiding of God's Spirit in our lives. To follow the Spirit is to follow the voice of God. God is our creator and he holds all knowledge. God is omniscient. It means he knows everything. So therefore, if he knows everything and knows it perfectly well, he perfectly knows us. 
And he perfectly knows what is required for us to live a spirit-led life. God is a speaking God. He's not silent. He's a communicative God. And he speaks to us primarily from the pages of Scripture. God's voice booms out of these pages. Not an audible voice, but a very loud and clear voice that comes here from the Scriptures. This is an objective voice. There is um, no partiality when it comes to the Scriptures. We have the truth right here for us. We have God's voice speaking to us. And it's there where we hear God's voice loudest and clearest. Hebrews 1.1 says this, Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. We have the recordings of God speaking to the prophets right here. Not only to the prophets, but also the New Testament apostles who wrote the New Testament for us as well. We have God's voice recorded for us here in the pages of Scripture. Here's what the psalmist said about God's voice in Psalm 19. David wrote this thousands of years ago. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. You can replace there wherever it says the law of the Lord or the rules of the Lord or the command of the Lord with the voice of the Lord. That's what David's talking about there as he writes this psalm. He's saying the voice of God. Verse 7, the testimony of the Lord is sure. In a world filled with millions of voices, there's one voice. There's one voice that is sure. There is one voice that stands alone that we can absolutely depend on and it is sure. That one voice will never let us down. The voice of God's testimony is unquestionable. It's unquestionable. When I say that means there is no fault or error within God's voice within the pages of scripture. It can take anybody from any background, from any level of education and it says there it can make the the simple into wise with the truth of God's voice echoing through our lives. Verse 8, the voice of the Lord through his precepts brings rejoicing to our hearts. It opens our eyes up to see clearly into this world. Verse 9, the voice of the Lord is absolutely true. It has no trace of evil within it whatsoever. Verse 10, the voice of the Lord has more value than all the gold in Fort Knox. All the stocks and shares of the New York Stock Exchange. To have this voice is to have a supreme treasure. The voice of the Lord keeps us from danger, in verse 11. The voice of the Lord keeps us from sin and all of its deadly deceptions that would seek to take us down. The spirit-led life looks for and listens to the voice of the Lord first and foremost because it's here that we can see clearly into this darkened world that we live in. Darkened by the deception, darkened by the lies of this world. Psalm 190 and 105, again, another powerful verse that describes that for us. Your word, God's voice, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The Holy Spirit leads us through a world darkened by lies and deception on every front. How does the Holy Spirit do that? The Spirit does that primarily through the voice of God, through the Bible, speaking into our lives. It's a dark world we live in. 
The secular world and all of its ideas and its thoughts is walking in darkness. Currently we have sitting before us at the Victorian Parliament is a euthanasia bill. It's a bill that's actually wrapped up in darkness. It's a bill here for assisted suicide or assisted murder for the terminally ill. The very thought of that bill spells anything but a spirit-led life. It's a thought or an idea that would lead us into darkness. It's a voice that is walking in total darkness when it challenges the sanctity of life like that. The voice of the Lord, God's voice, tells us in a spirit-led life that life is sacred. And we do all we can to preserve life until God shall choose to take it. So the first voice, the loudest voice, the absolute true voice that we listen to foremost in our lives is the voice of God to be led by God's Spirit, to live a Spirit-led life. This is the voice of the Bible. It's an objective voice. It's totally impartial. And it holds all rule over all other voices we will hear in our lives. There's another voice also that helps us in the Spirit-led life. This is the voice of conscience. Who's ever seen the film Pinocchio? You're allowed to raise your hands. If you haven't seen the film Pinocchio, yeah, I'm sure most... Haven't you girls seen the film Pinocchio? You need to watch the film Pinocchio. There's a character that travels with Pinocchio wherever he goes through life, and his name is Jiminy Cricket. It's a good name, isn't it? And who does Jiminy Cricket represent in the uh, film Pinocchio? Jiminy Cricket represents the voice of Pinocchio's conscience. If you've watched the story, and I'm going to steal some of the thunder now, whenever Pinocchio told a lie, what would happen? His nose would just grow longer and longer and longer. But Jiminy Cricket was the voice of Pinocchio's conscience. God has put into every one of us this voice that we hear silently within. It's not a loud, audible voice again. It's like this inner audience that travels with us through life and sees everything that we do. Every thought, action and idea that springs into our mind has this immediate viewing before the audience of conscience. Not sure whether Jiminy Cricket's in that audience, but he's representing conscience. There's something that comes, a thought or an idea or an action comes into our mind and it's immediately somehow, by God's uh, providence, it's viewed by the audience of conscience. And this conscience is either confirming our actions or it's denying our actions. Look what Paul says here about conscience in Romans chapter 2. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. Verse 15. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness. And their conflicting thoughts accuse them of doing the wrong thing or excuse them. This is okay. It's all good. Go ahead. Paul here gives us a picture here of the conscience. It's the moral compass that God has placed within us called our conscience. This governing sort of uh, voice inside of us. It doesn't matter where you're from. You can be any person from any country all over this world. You will have this inbuilt voice. It's something God has given to each and every person. It's a voice that we hear probably more loudly when we're about to do something wrong. 
it gives this definite sense, a definite sense of I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm feeling guilty. I'm feeling uneasy about this. There's something that's not quite right and I feel a bit wrong about this. I'm just going to set the cruise control at 105 kilometres an hour. Speed limit's 100, but they'll never pick me up for 105. They'll just let me go through. When you first do that, for the very first time, Paul is already laughing over here. When you first do that, for the very first time, something will just turn within you. Gee, I'm, I think I'm doing the wrong thing. You'll feel a sense of, I am doing the wrong thing. We'll have this uneasy feeling inside of us. We must see that this is a voice that the Spirit uses to lead us into a life that glorifies God. This is a voice that helps set direction so that our lives will reflect the greatness of God and to experience his blessing in our lives through right, holy living that is led by the Spirit. We have to see there are many, many aspects of life in the fine detail of life that the Bible doesn't speak into directly. The Bible gives us really big picture stuff and big principle stuff, but sometimes in the fine detail of life, it doesn't really uh, speak directly to that. Here's an example. You might go into Macca's and order some food. And I've probably picked a really low example here by choosing Macca's. You might go in there and order some food. You get your change back and there's $10 too much. There's $10 too much. What do you do? What do you do? The Bible doesn't have a chapter and verse for eating at Macca's, does it? You can't look it up and sort of go, chapter 3, McDonald's, here it is, what you do. The voice of conscience kicks in and it says what to do in that situation. Actually, it tells you. You feel uneasy about keeping the $10. You feel that's wrong. So you go and you take the $10 back. That is the example there, probably a low-lying example of you choosing Maccas, how the, the, the voice of conscience the Holy Spirit will use to lead us to live a God-honouring life, to live a Spirit-led life. But let me say this about conscience as well. It's really important that we get this. Our conscience is only as good as the value system that we have set up inside of it. It's a subjective voice. It's subject to the value system that we have built inside of it or how we've actually enhanced that value system. See, some people may have allowed a weak conscience to develop, a very low-level conscience. Taking $10 from Maccas is nothing to them. It's about time I had a win. I needed an extra 10 bucks to fill up my car with petrol this week. That might be what their conscience is doing at that particular time. It hasn't bothered them at all. Or maybe the first time they took the $10 or kept the extra change, maybe then it did bother them, but they shut that voice down. They argued that voice away. They squeezed it out. And what they did then is actually they weakened the voice of conscience. They weaken it to such a point that it's barely a whisper now when they do something wrong. It's just a faint little distraction in the background that they might hear when they're doing something wrong. You can easily do that to your conscience by overriding it. You can resist your conscience. You can. Your conscience is a gift from God and the Spirit does use it to lead us into a life of godliness and joy in Him. But we must inform our conscience We must get our conscience sharp and clear with the voice of God, informing our conscience and building this value system within that the Holy Spirit will use in part of of helping us to live a spirit-led life. We must get it right. Just as the seamen of old who navigated 
uh, by the fixed points of the sun and the moon and the stars many, many years ago to set their compass for navigation, so we too must set the compass of our conscience by the fixed objective truth of God's voice so that we can navigate through life and allow God's spirit to use that voice in our lives to live a spirit-led life and a God-honouring life. There's a third voice that the Spirit uses also to lead us into a godly and blessed life of right living. This is the voice of counsel. A third voice, another subjective voice. Counsel is advice that's given to influence us in a certain direction. This is a voice that we listen to to receive instruction or guidance to set the course of our life by. We might gather people around about us and we receive counsel from them, advice, help. Proverbs has much to say here about this voice, this voice of counsel. Proverbs 11:14, Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counsellors, there is safety. It's a picture here where God chooses to use, in some situations, counsellors, people giving us advice. Proverbs 15:22, Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. This is one of God's ways, one of the ways the Spirit uses to lead us and guide us and direct us through life, particularly to live a life that honours and pleases God. He uses counsel, the advice of others, that will honour and glorify Christ and bring fulfilment to us. And he does it through wise counsel and wise influence. It's important to see here that God's called us to live in community. God's called a body of people here to gather at Exchange Church and through that we have gifts and abilities of a whole range here And God is using each and every one of them to help impart impart influence and wisdom to every one of us as we pass on what God's given to us. It's really important to see that here. This is one of God's ways of choosing to lead us and guide us. He does it through the voice of counsel. But again, we need to be really, really careful here about this counsel that we take. It's a subjective voice. We need to choose our friends really wisely. Choose our counsellors really wisely. And I would say, especially for teenagers, as they are emerging out of sort of that sort of childish stage of 10, 11, 12, they're heading into 13, 14, 15, and they're actually beginning to form a life on their own two feet and thinking differently and forming their own opinions, you must choose your friends really wisely. These are critical choices when you make at this age. The people that you have your deepest friendship with should be people of a like mind when it comes to the gospel. When you choose to have a deep, uh, long-standing friend that you're going to listen to their voice and hear their counsel, they must be on the same page as you in in the sense of the gospel, in the sense of um, abiding by the voice of the scriptures. You can have lots of friends and you want to have lots of friends who aren't Christians because you want to tell them about Jesus, but the ones you choose to have as deep friends... They need to be friends who are on the same page so that your counsel can be measured against here the pages of scripture. We need to be looking for friends that will, who will, uh, we will seek out who will inspire us, encourage us and uh, comfort us. Just as much as we seek that, we also should seek friends who will challenge me and provoke me to good deeds. I should be seeking friends who will correct me I should be seeking friends also who will lovingly say hard things to me because that is where God's counsel sometimes will come through is those friends who love me enough to actually address 
what's happening in my life that needs to be changed. The voice of this council truly is a subjective voice and it must be measured against the voice of God. Because even the best of friends who are on the same page as far as the gospel is concerned and as far as the voice of God is concerned are broken vessels just like myself. And their advice with all good intentions must line up with God's voice. It must line up with God's truth. We need to be really careful here to see that they are measured against the objective truth that we have here. And make no mistake about this, choosing friends who aren't devoted to followers of Christ will have an influence on us. If we choose to associate them within a deeper way, it will have an influence upon us. Their voice of counsel will be heard. They won't give you any warning at all when it comes to sleeping with your girlfriend prior to marriage. They'll think it's all right. Everybody does it. It's enjoyable. Go and do it. They'll give you no warning whatsoever about that. They won't tell you that sleeping with your girlfriend and committing fornication with her um, dishonours the God who's made us and given us life. If they're not on the same page um, (coughs) in the gospel, they won't say that. They will influence us if we um, choose to go deep with them and allow them to speak into our lives. The Bible says, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Rehoboam, Solomon's son, back in the Old Testament. He chose some really bad advice when he came to power in the first few uh, days, weeks or months of and, uh, back in Israel. The people came to Rehoboam and they said to him, your father has made our load heavy and burdensome. Please, please lighten our load and we will serve you well. Rehoboam heard the people and he took uh, those words and got advice from the elders. And they said, they said to Rehoboam, hear the voice of the people. Listen to them. It'll go really well for you. They'll respect you and they'll respond well to you. So then Rehoboam went and consulted his own peers, people of his own age, friends. And they said, no, 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 don't listen to the people, Rehoboam. Don't listen to them. Double their load and increase their um, burdens to get more work done out of these people. We need to get more done each day. Rehoboam took the advice of his peers and his friends at that particular time and increased the workload on the people. And the people of Israel revolted and rebelled against Rehoboam's hard rule and he lost the kingdom. He chose bad advice. He chose bad advice. Uh, this counsel not only comes from friends, God does give us counsel through friends, but we also have counsel and, and, and influence coming to us 24-7 from hundreds, if not thousands of other voices in our lives. The internet is a wonderful thing. It's a great thing. Communication and information availability is a glorious gift of God that we have at our fingertips today because of the internet. It is a great thing. At the click of a mouse... We can find all sorts of counsel and influence that the Holy Spirit will use to lead us into a life that will make God look great and make him look like our treasure. Our own church website has some great links to some really fantastic websites that will help you build in Christ to be a growing disciple. But there's more voices than just those voices on the internet. Just like there's good counsel, there's also some really, really bad counsel. There's a whole mountain of deception out there in this world that we live in as well. And they're all voices 
their websites and they have page after page and they're filled with images of the look that you must have. This is the voice they'll be speaking into your life. Or the car that you must drive. Or the clothes that you must wear. Or the house you must have. Or the holiday you must go on. They're all a voice trying to influence us. They're all a voice trying to say something to us. And they're all a voice saying, follow us. Follow me for the way of life. It doesn't have to be only the internet. That's probably the, the main medium today. But it can be magazines and TV shows. And all type of communication that is actually a voice. They're all a voice speaking into our lives and they're all a voice seeking to influence us to go in that direction or that direction. Each and every one of them. And they're working overtime, all these voices, to entice our heart to follow them, promising that if you should follow me, you will find the path to a life of fulfilment and true meaning. If only we could see the number of celebrities who've actually followed those voices or sometimes are those voices and just see how their lives are, are now washed up and broken by the pressure of listening to those voices. All the craziness of the sexual abuse that's going on in Hollywood at the moment, all these celebrities, it's madness. But these are the voices they've been following and some of those people actually are a voice that we might listen to from time to time. So there are millions of voices out there and they're seeking to lead us down a path. A really good test for those voices is really simple and it's just like this. Is what I'm listening to, watching or reading, is it leading me closer to God and helping me to live a spirit-led life or is it drawing me away from God? Is what I'm watching or reading or listening, is it leading me closer to God and a spirit-led life or is it drawing me away from God? The Holy Spirit will use the voice of counsel and it will use it to lead us to a life of honour and praise to God. But we must take every one of those thousands of voices, perhaps millions of voices, that we might hear and measure them up against the one true voice, the voice of God. And if those voices do not line up with the voice of God, I would say switch it off. Switch it off. Don't be foolish, don't be dangerous and don't listen to those voices that will lead you into deception and error and if you follow those voices far enough, those voices will lead you into death. How will this look in real life? As we seek to live a spirit-led life and to to, uh, live a life that brings honour and glory to God, how will the spirit lead me on Wednesday afternoon, maybe on this week coming? Here's an example that... um, happened to me. I'm driving my car home and I see a guy sitting very despairingly on a bench. What do I do? Just driving past and I see this guy sort of slumped on the bench. I drive past and I'm thinking, what will I do? All of a sudden a thought flashes into my mind. I should stop and I should go back and talk to that person. So what is that thought I've just had as we've been thinking about voices here? Is it me thinking that? Is it an evangelism book that I've been reading lately that's got me really thinking that way? Is it an event that we've got coming up at the church for the unsaved and so I'm really sort of on the lookout for someone who I might be able to bring to a, the, the church event? Is it that I'm just a soft, compassionate person and I feel sorry for them as they're sitting slumped down in that chair as I drive past them? Is it the Holy Spirit leading me to talk to that person? It can be a number, any number of those voices. 
all of those are voices in my head, particularly at that particular time. It can be any number of them. How do I deal with that then? How do I actually deal with that sort of situation that might come my way in that way? Firstly, it's not a wrong thought. It certainly would line up with God's word. It's not like I'm actually going to do something wrong or sinful by going back and talking to that person. It's not an evil thought. Secondly, how strongly does that thought sit with me? Is it just a quick passing thought and I don't even think about it a second time or ever again? Or does it actually sit there and sort of go a bit stronger and go a bit stronger? Do I start to begin to feel compelled in that situation? If it is a compelling thought like it was for me that particular day, I would then pull over and go back and talk to that person. Now, for me, it took me nearly a kilometre past. By the time I wrestled with myself in between, what am I going to do here? Was it this, that, that? What's going on here? So I did go back and I spoke to that person. He didn't talk back to me, of course, at that particular time. It was a strange occurrence. He just sat there slumped on the chair and I sat beside him and spoke to him for about three minutes and never lifted his head. So then I just said, I'll pray for him and I left. Now, that, was, that was the end of that situation, but in the, in the end I did obey that voice. What could I say in that situation? Was I led by the Spirit in that instance? Was I led by God's Spirit? Yes, you could say that. You could say that. I probably wouldn't choose to use those words because for me that sort of communicates some sort of unquestionable authority that God has led me to do this as a specific mission. You could say that, but I wouldn't choose to use those words. If I was relaying that story later on to somebody, as I'm sort of relaying to you today, I would say something like, I felt that God led me to go back there. I couldn't sort of unquestionably say it was God doing this, but I felt, I felt impressed upon me to go back there and do that. And I think that communicates a softer approach when talking about that. You could say God led you if you wanted to, but I wouldn't choose that. I would choose perhaps a softer approach, which then allows for the many voices that are perhaps rolling around in my head at that particular time. Another example. It could be a job change or a career path choice. You could put any number of choices here in this if you wanted to. How do I look for the Spirit to lead me in that situation? Firstly, does the choice, if it's a job, does the choice line up with God's voice, the Scriptures? In other words, am I thinking it's God calling me to go and work to work in an adult bookstore selling pornography? I could probably very quickly say, no, that's not God leading me to do that. You can rule that out straight away. It's not an evil choice. I would then analyse all my motives for a change through prayer. Why am I looking for this career path? Why am I looking for this job change? Am I running away from something I should face up to at my current work? What's actually driving this perhaps career change or God change? Seek godly counsel from some some trusted friends. Share what you're thinking about with some trusted friends who have the gospel and your soul's well-being at heart. Use this other avenue that God's given to us through godly counsel. And then allow the Holy Spirit, as it were, believing he is working in in and through you, to move through your natural desires. Trust that after analysing your own heart with scripture, prayer and godly counsel, that the Holy Spirit will increase or decrease those desires. I don't always follow a certain pattern, but it can work in that way. Because then you might investigate a bit further and actually the job opportunity is gone. You could pretty well say, well, actually I don't think I was meant to get that job opportunity. Or, or the desire may increase and the opportunity is still there. I would say feel free to pursue it. But to do this only after the hard work has, done, has been done first of analysing and thinking, 
praying and uh, seeking some other counsel. It's important to see that the Holy Spirit does work in our lives in very natural ways. Probably the normal operation for the God's Spirit is to work through those natural ways. Sometimes, call it miraculous, call it supernatural ways, will happen. Things that are just unexplainable, opportunities will open up. God's Spirit can and will do that. But the normal operation in the Spirit-led life is through the natural causes and the natural ways that God has set up within our human psyche. And we can then measure all those things up today uh, through God's objective voice, the voice of counsel, and the voice of conscience. Being led by the Spirit is crucial for us today. It's crucial. Absolutely crucial. It's vital that we, that we live a life seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We live in a now and not yet kingdom of God. We are stuck in between. Yes, the kingdom has come through Jesus. Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God is here. Repent is what Jesus said in the, uh, the first chapter of Mark. But God's kingdom or the kingdom of Jesus Christ is not fully here at this point in time. It is here, but it's not fully here. It's a now and not yet kingdom. We really are like travellers or pilgrims moving through a foreign and sometimes hostile land. We really are. There's many challenges here. There's many influences. There's many voices calling out to us. And many of these voices, as we saw before, are voices of danger. They are voices of deception and they are voices that are calling us down a path that doesn't appear destructive, but is the path of destruction that the Bible would tell us. And if we follow those dangerous, deceptive voices, we will run the very real chance of making a shipwreck of our faith because we're listening to the wrong voice. It's really critical today that we choose to live a spirit-led life as we go between this now and not yet kingdom to live a life that will bring honour and glory to Christ and will keep us from the dangers of this world. Let me finish with this voice here that we must listen to, a voice that must take paramount position in our lives. Hebrews 1 again. Long ago and at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Jesus, our glorious Saviour, has spoken to us. He speaks to us again today through the pages of Scripture. In these last days, that's the voice that we listen to, the voice of Jesus Christ as echoed through the Scriptures. He has come and led the way for us so that we can now live a spirit-led life. Here's something you need to ask yourself. Here's something we really must ask ourselves. Whose voice am I or are you listening to? Whose voice... Are you allowing to have major influence in your life? What voice are you allowing to fill your head with ideas and thoughts and attitudes that is having a major influence in your life? Who are you listening to? What is that voice and ultimately where is that voice taking you? You need to think about that. Father, thank you. Thank you today that we can gather together to hear your voice. Father, today, thank you for the grace that you have given to us 
through your voice, the scriptures, and through your Holy Spirit living, indwelling us, and helping us to live a spirit-led life. God, today I pray that you will help us to discern the voices that we are listening to. Lord, I pray that you will help us to measure all these thousands of voices that we are allowing to speak into our lives, that we would measure them against your objective voice, your impartial voice. And I pray that, Lord, first and foremost, we would fill ourselves up on your voice, on this truth, Lord, so that we would live a spirit-led life. And that this spirit-led life would be producing a life of glory before you, glory before this world, and giving us a life of fulfilment and truth and satisfaction, Lord, and meaning that this world cannot offer us. Father, please, please help us in the noise of this world, in the clamour of this world, in the thousands of voices that are looking for space in our heads. Please help us to hear your voice first and foremost and allow that to rule over any other voice that we may hear in our lives. God, we thank you for that grace and that mercy today. And uh, Lord, we want to commit ourselves to you in that way. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Sam and Nate, if you guys could hand out the communion emblems, that would be really helpful.